right, welcome into the special post-first round edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Eater Jr., Jay Morrison are here for you Bengals fans. I hope you are listening to this in the morning. You've got your water. You've got your eight Advil. Uh, that you're, that you're taking and you're just, you're just trying to get through this day and you're, you're coming down off of whatever bender you went on, uh, in your house last night as it finally happened. The Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU, Bengals fans, rejoice. Printing Press is currently running with playoff tickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's, it, it, what, what we all knew was going to happen happened. So it's sort of as much as it is, um, I guess just the inevitability of this was something that we've talked about ad nauseum for months. Um, when it actually does happen, it, it is a, it is a thing. And so we get it was really the news of the night and we'll, we'll get, we want to get to what the Bengals are looking at for pick 33, which to me was the most intriguing part of this whole draft. Um, since We've known for a long time it was going to be Joe Burrow. We're going to get to that in a little bit. We should talk about what we heard from Joe Burrow tonight, um, and Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, who we who we spoke with. Um, Jay, you're you're kind of writing through some of this and and what we heard and what it means. That was interesting from Joe Burrow. What 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 stood out to you? Uh, yeah, there were a couple things. Um, one right off the bat was he was asked about doing this in Southeast Ohio and at his home in Athens, as opposed to Vegas. And you know, every single one of these guys is lamenting the fact that they, they were kind of robbed of that chance to walk out on the stage, the big celebration. And, and Joe wasn't going to come across as, as the whiner, the complainer. He, he, he said he loved it. He, he really enjoyed being home with his parents. Um, he talked about the advantages of this whole situation as opposed to dwelling on the, the negatives of it about how he's not traveling and, and burning all that time doing that kind of stuff. And he can really just work on getting better, which was the theme of his, it was about a 30 minute conversation. And, uh, he, he kept going back to that phrase over and over again, how the, his success, everything, um, his leadership, it all just comes down to the way he works. Um, I, I really like to, uh, it was something that Zach brought up first, um, about his, his confidence is not an, it's, it's an earned confidence. Um, you know, he's a guy that's allowed to, to have that swagger about him because of what he's done. And then, uh, Joe was asked about it and, and he, he said swagger, is when there's nothing behind it. And, you know, confidence comes from preparation and, and all that work. And I just, I thought that was uh, an interesting and impressive quote from him as well. He, he came across really well again, which is no surprise. He was, he was so good at the combine handling the crowd there. He was a little shorter with his answers tonight, but he answered every question. He didn't duck anything and uh, thought he got off to a good start in that regard as far as talking to the media. Yeah, he was also in what he, he, we were, he had, when he talked to us, he had to be an hour and a half into his media obligations. He was, you know, doing every yeah. single national show and that, that exists, um, and, and running through all that stuff. I, I'll agree with you, Jay. I mean, what stands out to me is the nuances with which he talked about leadership and all that stuff, which 
that's what we know, right? We we know the intangibles and all that stuff is off the charts with with Burrow. That's that's the the scouting report from anybody that discusses him. And and I mean that stood out to me. And uh, Brian Callahan talking about how you know talking X's and O's with him, it felt like talking with someone who was a ten year NFL vet. Like yeah. the the son of think about this tri- this trio here, Zach Taylor, uh. You know, son of a coach. Brian Callahan, son of a coach. Joe Burrow, son of a coach. All that, that stuff, that the, 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 we, the connections of that, that they, that they all sort of were talking about and talking through and understanding all of that. And the, and that goes beyond X's and O's about understanding how locker rooms work and how leadership work. I mean, this is, this dude, everything he's talking about is the stuff that Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan have been talking about to us. For 16 months. It's just, this, it's, he, it's the same language. Uh, it's the same things that they see. It's, he, he's talking about connecting with people from different backgrounds and, 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 uh, you know, the socioeconomic different backgrounds that he saw growing up in his, in, in Athens County and, and connecting with different people at Ohio State and then all the different people from different places he had to connect with at LSU. And the success he had there. How many times have we heard about Zach Taylor and his special ability, his ability to connect with everybody in the building? Like, right. th- and if this is going to be your right hand man, and this is more than your right hand man, this is your career defining decision tonight. If you're Zach Taylor, I feel like the fact that he speaks the same language about football and locker rooms and how you win, and, the, and saying the word work 32 times, is. Really, the thing that sticks out to me about it is is that you really can't ask for a better connection for somebody to be the salesman selling what you have been selling for a long time. If you're Zach Taylor and this coaching staff, yeah, you you made a a couple points there. The the thing about be, all three of those guys being sons of coaches, not to denigrate high school coaches, but we're they they're all sons of college and professional coaches and that's just another level of intelligence and, and football IQ uh, and then the other thing that you brought up about you know it just it was kind of a workmanlike interview with, with him talking about work 32 times and he was fairly short with his answers I don't know how long you stayed on the zoom call I stayed on well after everybody else had logged off and all of a sudden, Joe's like, can anybody hear me? Like, he didn't realize it was over. And PJ Combs, the media relations director, is like, oh, Joe, we're good. I, I, I think that's it for tonight. You're free to go. And he lets out a, let's go! He was so fired up to be done with his media. Avail. I don't know if he was just saying that to pump himself up or if he had other people in the house, like, meaning, okay, now it's time to party. All the media's over. But I thought that was great just to hear him kind of let go finally after after 30 minutes of, of controlled interview. Yeah, well, I mean, his night was so scripted, right? I mean, yeah. he knew he was going to go number one. He knew that he was going to do, have to do a ton of media, and he knew then he could start really enjoying his night. And uh, yeah, that that was that was a really cool thing. Another thing that came out uh, during the day, and he talked about, um, we have told you people, we have told you, if you want to hear from Mike Brown, write him a letter. Right? Like, if you wanna, if you wanna voice your opinion, Mike reads the letters and Mike responds with letters. And it came out that this week, Mike Brown sent a personal letter to Joe Burrow and to another one to his parents. Um, 
and uh, I believe like four Bengals number nine jerseys, which he will be number nine. So shout out everyone that didn't burn their Carson jersey. Uh, <laughs> just get, get your new nameplate, save the cash. Your, your, your persistence pays off. Uh, but I, I thought that was a not surprising but really a showing touch of, I mean, the most Mike, is that not the most Mike Brown thing ever? Like to send the letter in the mail, like just a personal feeling about how excited he is for him to, to build, to build a championship team around for the next however many years. Like I, I just thought, um, and then adding the parents into, it was just, yes. it's the most Mike Brown thing that Mike Brown has ever Mike Browned. Yeah, that, 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 and you, you could tell that, that touched Joe that, that he did that, that he sent the letter to the parents too. And I, I, he didn't go into details about what they said, but I would be willing to bet that they were completely different letters. Um, you know, let's, uh, something along the lines of, you know, we're going to take good care of your son and, and that type of thing. I, I, I did think it was interesting. I can't remember. I think it might have been Jeff Hobson that asked if it was a handwritten letter. And I was surprised, uh, Joe said no, it was typed because that would have been the total, that would have been the most Mike Brown thing because that most of his letters are handwritten. But I, I remember when they hired Zach and how the Brown family had the little care package for all four of Zach's kids when they showed up, pom-poms and footballs and jerseys and all that. And that's just, it's just kind of that little personal touch that, that trickles down from Mike at the top all the way through the Brown family. And it, it may not mean a lot in the long run, but it, it's, it, it, it's something that it goes to what Zach talks about all the time of, of culture and just what they're what they're trying to build here. Yeah, and that's why this was always a pick, and that's why it never deviated. Despite oh, the Godfather pick was up, uh, trade pick was coming from the Dolphins. <laughs> they were going to get three and five and come. Never, never a thing. What uh, if they? I mean, they couldn't have even done the whole. Saints thing and offered him the, I mean, once he sent the letter and the jerseys to Joe on Wednesday, there's, they couldn't have turned around and accepted. It could have been a, an offer you couldn't refuse, but they, they were kind of land, they were kind of pigeonholed in there. There, once he, once Mike did that, there was no trade in that pick. Yeah. Um, no, and, and Joe knew for a long time and that was, that was apparent yeah. too that, that, that this is what was going to happen. Even though that, I don't think they specifically told him. I think they wanted to give him that moment a little bit, but I mean, do you, you don't, you don't really need to tell somebody that when you're talking to him three hours mm-hmm. a week, every week about your playbook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I, as far as that stuff goes, I mean, uh, he talked about Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, CJ Uzama, Sam Hubbard, of course, is, is good for from Ohio State, all reaching out to him, uh, tonight. You know, I, I'm sure there were others. There were probably others that reached out to him while he was even talking to us, but those are ones that he mentioned right off the top. No surprise. I mean, those three, that's your young core leadership group right there. I mean, you know, Mixon, Boyd, and, and CJ Uzama, as far as really, the the voices in the pulse of that offense they they have been uh for a while certainly last year they were um outside of that i mean i i thought it was fairly standard stuff that you would expect and you're right i mean it was it was workmanlike i mean there's just so much of it that was just that that stood out to me as just being just saying all the right things doing all the right things um and sounding so much like you would want that person to sound like if you were the coach and sounding so much like the coaches. That's what kind of, to me, that's what stood out, but uh, no, no surprise there. 
that that kind of, to me that kind of wraps up the the Burrow stuff. Joe Burrow's a Bengal. We thought he would be. Bengals fans everywhere are hungover. Uh, all as well. Uh, really though, the intrigue in this draft is thirty three, um, and a few interesting things happened uh, outside of Aaron Rodgers. Maybe also deep in the sauce tonight. I have to imagine. Uh, which, you know, this dude's just begging for a skill position player in the first round ever, and they draft his heir apparent, Jordan Love. Trade up to do it. Um, we, you have what's left, and, you know, the, the linebackers didn't happen. Jordan Brooks, uh, Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray all come off late. And, you know, you thought maybe one could slide. Patrick Queen maybe could slide. Uh, but Baltimore was, Baltimore was a logical landing spot for him the entire time. You know, something I thought that was brought up a lot was the Bengals should go up and jump in front of Baltimore to try to make it happen. We talked a lot about that. Just maybe they, I, I don't know. Jay, would you, I mean, is that something you would have done? What you would have had to have given up where you're giving up a fourth maybe? Uh, or fifth, I have probably a fourth. Are you going to give up the first uh, pick of day three and a fourth? I don't think no, because they, if they if it was the last few years and they had ten, eleven picks, yeah, mate, that would be way more in play. But not not this year when you only have seven picks, you have a lot of holes to fill. Um, I don't know. I, I I thought it was interesting that I didn't. I don't remember seeing a single mock where Jordan Brooks went in the first round. Yeah. And I thought he could have been a sleeper pick there. Because we, we, we said all along, Murray, Queen, if they both go in the first round, then they're going a different direction. They're not taking a linebacker at 33. thought Brooks could have been a sleeper there possibly. And then that he, – he actually went off before Queen. Yeah. Um, so – Nah, I would not make that trade. Um, I, more likely is the trade back that we've been talking about all this time and, and just probably waiting to get that linebacker in the third round. And it sets up what, what you've been saying, I think, since the combine of, of targeting one of those wide receivers here at the, at the top of the second round. I have felt Denzel Mims had Bengals written all over him since mm-hmm. the very beginning. He made it. He's there at 33. He might be there a little further back because I, I think one of the more surprising elements of, of when you, you know, we all, okay, it was always going to be about what slipped. What, who's there that you didn't think would be there? And I, I think you talk about Josh Jones, Ezra Cleveland, a couple of tackles that a lot, I would bet some teams had first round grades on maybe. Uh, or, or certainly have high views of. I mean, these are guys that could show up and be immediately impactful on the offensive line, arguably starting day one. Here's where I, I find this to be the most fascinating aspect of this. We have told you that maybe one of the most surprising parts of the draft run-up for this team has been the groundswell of support for the current offensive line as it is currently structured. That includes Bobby Hart. That include definitely includes Fred Johnson, Michael Jordan. A, a offensive line very much built on hope and projection to protect the number one overall draft pick and the future of the franchise, the face of the franchise now. Not exactly a great plan as far as I'm concerned. And you now have these options here. Do 
do they back up where they're, what they have been saying that they do believe in that offensive line, the guys that are in the building? Do they back that up or do they go and really actively try to improve the offensive line? Give Joe Burrow protection. Get better up front. I mean, or, 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 or what? Or else you're going, you're going for a guy like Mims. You're going for receiver. And then you can make arguments there too, obviously. There's a couple of very talented edge rushers, um, that, that you'd be talking about. Zach Bond is going to be there. I mean, there's a number of players you could go for. To me, it's about, are they going to back up what they've kind of been saying is that they do believe in that offensive line room or will they go, and uh, and try to actually fix it. I, I find that to be the fascinating part of whatever they end up doing here, whether it's trade back or pick or whatever. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the question is, do they feel strongly about one or the other? Because you, you, you thought you got Jones and you've got Ezra Cleveland, and then you've got probably not just Mims, but LaVishka Chenault, Michael Pittman, even T. Higgins. Yep. Those six guys, right? I mean, if you say, "Hey, let's trade back and get an extra pick," and we know we're going to get one of those, and they they could, get, you know, it's the old six of one, half dozen of the other. If they're okay with going tackle or wide receiver, um, if they feel strongly about one, I would. If if it's tackle, I I don't think they would trade back because. Yeah, seven went off the board in the first round, but you see what, what shape Washington's in with Trent Williams. You gotta feel they're in the market for an offensive tackle. They're gonna get one of those guys at 34. So that leaves you just the, the chance to, to get the other one that's left because there's really not an offensive tackle after that that has a second round grade. If you're gonna get a, a, a if you're not gonna get one of those two, you're gonna go third, fourth round if you're even gonna uh, go after a tackle. So that's, that that's the interesting thing to me is how they view those. If if they're just as as good with taking a tackle as a wide receiver, then it makes all the sense in the world to to trade back five six spots. The other side of this is Mims potentially, you know, using him as an example because I I I think he makes the most sense for them. Mims being picked, I think tells you a lot I think it would certainly tell you something about how they feel about what AJ Green looks like in 2021 Mm -hmm. I I think passing on receiver here would be a I would say a a support to belief that they can get a long term deal with AJ Green done um I just there's a lot of there's a lot of ripple effect from what it is, but really, I mean, if you move back and you're going to get one of those receivers, I mean, all these receivers you, you would be pretty happy with. I mean, you're, this list of guys that they would be happy with is probably five ten deep. So if you're adding a, a, a pick at the beginning of the fourth round and you're still getting one of those guys, and you know you're not necessarily sold on going offensive line or whatever. Um, and someone maybe would be willing to come up for that. Someone's pretty stunned to see Josh Jones sitting there, willing to come up and give up something for it. Then you could you could see them doing that. I, I find that really interesting. My gut says they trade back. They could trade back and maybe still get Mims, depending on how far back they go. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, or or they go to the edge or to the line. I mean, it's just there's just a lot of options, and when you see how many options there are, and there's nothing, I think that stands out that connects directly to what they've been talking a lot about. Um, you 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 think that the trade back to me, my gut says the trade back is is where it ends up. Yeah, another. I don't. I, I've kind of. I've changed my mind a little bit on this, but when we did our tandem mock, I, I was surprised to see Iowa edge rusher AJ Epineza still there, and he, he's there now. I don't think that's the way they would go, given what that the quality of receivers that are left, and then those two offensive linemen. But there's there's guys at position like safety, McKinney, Delpit. Both those guys are available had first round grades, but it's, it's just not a, if it's a true best player available, they would be in play, but it just, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like it's going to be wide receiver or tackle. And you, if you trade back and get the best that's remaining after that, then you can go linebacker in the third linebacker in the fourth. Then you've got another pick that you got in the trade early in the fourth. That's where you can get your tackle or your guard or your, or your swing offensive lineman. Um, it just, I think we both tweeted it just about the same time uh, that, that when Queen went off the board, it it just it really increased the chances that we're gonna we're gonna see a trade back tomorrow. Yeah, I I would agree with you, but but uh, it'll be fascinating to watch because there is certainly a sector of those that analyze this roster that would be screaming, and Lord knows I've been the one uh, on this tangent a bunch is you cannot pick the quarterback and continue to go forward with hope as the plan on the offensive line. And this will, I think, prove one way or the other, whether hope is the plan on the offensive line uh, and if they're going to make that mistake or not, or if they're going to, or, or, you know, there's a lot of different stuff there and we'll talk through that depending on whatever happens tomorrow, but that is tomorrow. And we'll have another podcast for you tomorrow uh, after rounds two and three. Uh, and then, of course, we have uh, the draft wrapping up on Saturday. We'll have another one for you on Saturday uh, night uh, after the draft wraps. And then our big draft wrap show, full one, which will be next week. Uh, we have, I've already got some guests lined up for that that you're really going to like. Uh, should be some really good insight on everything that goes down this weekend. Uh, Jay, it's late. Get some sleep, maybe. I still have some writing to do. Yeah. <laughs> As do I. <laughs> uh, uh, shout out to all the editors that are up working late tonight, uh, waiting on, on people like us to finish. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you tomorrow night. I hear the podcast. Around.